What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Chasing Function. This is Kai. And this is Noah. And we're going to get all genetic on you again. Genetic again. <laughs> so we've been on, uh, I went on a pretty good little rant regarding um, genetics <laughs> and my belief around genetics and where I stand on genetics. And I got pretty... Uh, uh, I got pretty blown up as always, which I appreciate and love. Um, I like when people challenge our content. I like when people ask me to validate my work. One, it means that I'm challenging the way I think. And two, it means that I have to prove that I'm not full of shit. Two things I appreciate greatly. (laughs) So so today we're going to talk a little bit more about genetics. Um, I think for us, what we want to really kind of like framework here along the lines of genetics is, is just kind of support what we had talked about before. Uh, in regards to what we think genetics really do, um, as well as how they how they support us, I guess. I don't know. Play the clip. Here we go. Turns out that genetics doesn't play such a big role as we previously thought it would. So there are some genetic mutations that cause Alzheimer's, but that's really less than 1% of the population. Less than 1% of the population is a direct genetic mutation resulting. Yes, much less, less than 1%. That is not to say that genetics don't count. Of course, everybody has a genetic makeup. We have genetic risk factors, but they're not as impactful as we previously thought they would be. And so I started thinking, well, what then makes the difference here? And that's how I started looking into lifestyle and specifically nutrition, because it it was really my research that pointed me to a diet as a major factor that impacts the, the health of the brain, because I was looking at everything. I was looking at exercise, intellectual activity, diet, nutritional quality, vascular risk factors, all sorts of vascular risk factors that are known to impact the brain, obesity, diabetes. And when you put them all into your statistical model and you have the brain as something you're trying to predict, diet is the one factor that kind of always stands out. Wow. Wow. Okay, so this podcast specifically was referencing Alzheimer's, right? So. Um, I think obviously it supports a lot of stuff we've talked about in the past, but the big one here is, is like Alzheimer's, right? Like that's such a freaking like monster of an issue that, that I mean, most of us have unfortunately had the, the displeasure of having interactions with, um, to me, and, and I've said this before, but to me, the thing that stands out is that like majority of these diseases didn't exist pre industrial revolution right so what does that mean um i've gotten in many arguments with nurses that are like well they just went undiagnosed i'm like i don't know if i buy that um what i've also heard from a lot of people is that like well you know um it's just evolution right i don't know if i buy that either the one thing that stands out to me is that the industrial revolution changed the way we got food right? It changed the freshness of food. It changed the quality of food. It changed, I mean, it changed everything around food. And to me, it was the beginning of the downfall of us producing our own crops, right? We stopped producing our own crops. We started like large mass produced crops. And like, as we know, once we have mass production things, like we have problems. And so to me, things like that stand out. 
like just like stand out. I'm gonna like tell a quick synopsis. I have a story after this. Kyle, I'll let you go first around this, but but just a quick food for thought, right? So Crohn's disease is like a huge issue in the United States. Huge issue, right? So what is Crohn's disease? The simplest form, it's it's complex, but the simplest form of Crohn's disease is that your body doesn't know how to evaluate bacteria. And it just thinks that all bacteria is bad. And so what it does is it attacks natural bacteria in your body, as well as exogenous bad bacteria, right? And so the issue on Crohn's disease is it's an autoimmune disease that becomes really problematic because the upper GI tract and the lower GI tract become heavily affected because you can't produce your own bacteria to digest food, which is a huge problem, right? If you go back to our podcast around food, one of the things we talk a lot about is like, maybe it's not as important as what, how much you eat of something, it's how well you digest that food, right? So if you take a vegetarian or a vegan and you give them a steak, like, are they going to digest that steak? Probably not. They don't have the bacteria to digest that steak, which means they won't get the nutrients from the steak, right? Which is why they feel sick. Anyways, Crohn's disease. So C-sections, sick mothers, poor quality mother milk, no availability to raw milk, right? The way we establish bacteria internally is through the birth canal first, second through high quality mother's milk, right? What they used to lean on if there was no high quality mother's milk was raw cows or goat milk, right? Okay. So in this current environment, we have more C-sections than we've ever had. And I'm not saying that C-sections are good or bad. My children were C-section babies, but... And again, food for thought. This isn't study. This is just like me putting it out there. What if having a C-section drives a higher inclination around Crohn's because you don't get the bacteria from the birth canal? Then, right? Then, what if you have a sick mother, which let's call it what it is, most food that's available is poison and low in nutritional quality, right? We know that to be true. So you have a sick mother, right? And my think of it really simply. If a mom goes on a bender and drinks a shitload of wine, she has to pump and dump, right? She can't just feed the baby because the baby gets drunk. So why is it we think it's different if the mom eats a bunch of Kraft macaroni and cheese and a shitload of Ben and Jerry's? Like, why do we think that that milk is suddenly high quality milk, right? Okay, so birth canals are being affected low quality mother's milk. So what if we haven't created any sort of good gut flora in the upper or lower GI tracts? Would that mean that someone has a higher predisposition around Crohn's disease? It's a rhetorical question that hasn't been studied, right? I don't, I don't know that to be true. I don't know it to be not true, but to me, logical progression would dictate, sure makes sense that we would have a higher issue of Crohn's disease and more autoimmune diseases in this current environment especially when we can't fall back on high quality raw milk, right? Cause that's illegal in most States. You can't get like cow's milk in a majority of places. Like I live in a fucking farm. Like I live in, I live in North Carolina. Like I live literally like six miles from a major farm city and I can't, I can't have raw cow's milk. And even if I could, the cows are so sick. I don't even know if I want it. Right. Whole other conversation. Again, my point to this is just food for thought, right? Is the current environment we in, we're in part of the reason we have sickness, not genetic predisposition? 
but that's my like big brain going nuts. Kai, your turn. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when you're in the field that we're in, we always hear about like, Oh, you know, like the big cop out is like, Oh, you know, it's hereditary. Oh, it's, you know, my, my dad had that. So I have that. My mom had that. Oh, I have that, all that. And so my client today was like, um, uh, there was somebody that, that uh, couldn't find their car. She's an older lady. She's like 90. And so they were like pointing to the car and she finally found it. And my client was like, oh, I can't, I don't want that to happen to me. It's going to be so bad. My dad had Alzheimer's, uh, no, sorry, dementia. And like, I don't want that. And I'm probably going to have it, right? She thinks it's hereditary. Like, because my dad had it, I'm going to have it, right? And so I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if that's really true, right? Like if my right. dad had it, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it. Um, and then she's talking about like, oh yeah, you know, like he had this weird thing and, um, you know, and uh, I, she was talking about how she went to the dentist and um, cause I was telling her like, you know, like a lot of it could be like heavy metal toxicity, right? Like we're, right. our body's not supposed to really have metals inside of our body. And uh, she's talking about how she just went to the dentist and she had to get all these crowns removed and all these root canal and like all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, when you really look at that, like a a cap is like, and she said like she got it away a a while back. And so they had lead still in, in the crowns or the caps. And so she literally has lead in her, on her teeth, on her gut with an open wound which means that lead's going to go straight to her bloodstream, which means it's yep. going to go right into her brain because yep. her brain is literally right there. And so yep. we were talking about that and she's like, oh yeah, you know what? My dad worked in an iron factory. And I was like, yeah, he was probably exposed to a lot of lead and a lot of iron, which means that could be, you know, like you said, logical progression could mean Heavy metal toxicity caused them to get dementia, right? But, you know, we can't say that for sure, but it could be a pretty big factor in that, right? So is it really genetics that caused her to, or sorry, uh, to make her think, oh, she's going to get dementia because her dad got dementia? Or is it, well, you know, he was exposed to heavy metals and, you know, who, who knows what else, right? Because back in those days could be smoking could be doing all sorts of other stuff right the food made out not have been that good who knows right there's so many other factors that that play into that but to say that it's oh i'm bound to get that because of of um because of my parents um i don't know that that's necessarily true and we shouldn't be um uh, uh subscribing to that because like we had uh, on our other podcast about thoughts, right? Like thoughts create things, right? And so right. if you constantly think you're going to get dementia, chances are you're going to get dementia. And, right. and it could not be because of genetics. It could just be like you're constantly thinking about that, right? So um, that was my story. And like it. now it's back to you. My so, turn. okay so uh to to that right that goes back to a lot of what we talked about the original genetic conversation right but an initial conversation was like 
we live lives similar to our parents, right? Yeah. And those one for one ratios have more to do with what's happening to us than the genetic profile. And I think that I, I can't stress the importance of that enough. Like, like when you look at like, this is just, this isn't my story yet, to be clear. Story time still available, but foreplay, but foreplay, we, <laughs> foreplay right? Uh, I'm gonna take my time. Um, so when you look at when you look at abuse, abuse is typically lineage based. Like pedophilia is a nasty, horrible thing, but typically people that engage in pedophilia it doesn't come from nowhere. They've had lineages of abuse, and typically it's around pedophilia as well, right? So like my struggle with along these conversations is that typically humans repeat patterns, right? And so we as humans tend to either make abrupt changes to, to circumstance because we don't want to be the pattern that we were or we lean into it. But I will say we know how difficult it is to create change and sustain change. And so creating these patterns around change is very, very, very difficult. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes like a lot. And ironically, ironically of all things, one of the primary genetic traits is around resiliency, which is interesting, right? So I'm over here talking shit on genetics and then the primary genetic trait around creating change is resilience. So go figure, right? Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that we live similar lives to our parents or we may, or, or we just make abundant changes. I've done everything in my power to not be like my dad. And there's still moments where I'm like, oh, that was my dad. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? So like, so we got to pump the brakes a little bit, but it's hard to look in the mirror and evaluate yourself that openly and honestly. Like that's a really uncomfortable thing to do. Um, okay. Story number two. So I was having a conversation today with um, a friend and a patient. And we were talking about the C word. <laughs> Um, I guess, I can, am I allowed to say it now? Are we so far past that I can just say like, like if I say COVID oh, three now. times, if I say COVID three times, is it like Beetlejuice? Does it like show up? No, a needle shows up. Needle shows up. Someone knocks on my door, like Gustavo <laughs> style. Um, so, okay. So one of my clients had sent me a message and she said, hey, they found that there's a genetic trait around COVID that people that have this genetic trait don't get COVID. And I giggled. I was like, oh my God, really? Are you freaking kidding me? Like, okay, let's talk about COVID, right? Let's talk about virology. So this young lady, what this was sent from her sister. Her sister is very unhealthy, older, doesn't think good care of herself, horrible shape. My client is the opposite of that. Runs 15 miles a week, lift weights three times a week, very conscious around what she eats, uh, quality respiratory health, good physical shape, uh, sleeps well, takes care of herself, just takes care of herself. So... Sister had COVID multiple times and has had problems with COVID. Unfortunate, but true. She hasn't had COVID at all. And so she's like, I must have a genetic trait. And of course, in my true condescending fashion, I giggle. And I say, or, or maybe you've had ample exposure to COVID. And maybe you've had COVID and you were asymptomatic, but because you're so healthy, your immune health is so good because you eat so well, because you don't have vendors of weekends because you sleep well maybe there's that during that incubation period it never came to fruition because you just take care of yourself now here's the thing i jokingly said well i had covid three times so i guess i don't have that genetic trait but covid never affected me really like i had it 
I certainly quarantined. I did all the things I was supposed to do of responsibility, but it never affected me. But I measure my biology on a regular basis utilizing whoop, right? I do regular amounts of cardiovascular training. I meditate, working on diaphragmic breathing. I strength train for the most part, eat pretty well. I could eat better, but whatever. And the truth of the matter is like, I never really had a problem around COVID. Do I have the genetic trait or am I just doing the things I need to do to live like a healthy life? And so this is my struggle around these conversations because the danger here is for us to downplay or for her to downplay the importance of her health, right? Like she deserves a pat on the back. She takes good care of herself and she's managed to avoid this thing, this looming thing that's affected so many people. She deserves a pat on the back. Like it's, it's, it's not genetics. It's not just like, oh, you were born. Sorry. I can guarantee you if the same young lady did not take care of herself or even happened to just go on a couple week bender where she ate like shit and drank a bunch, which happens, that she would have gotten sick. But she didn't. And so here's the thing, like this again is the danger around this. This is where I want to transition into lifestyle becomes so important and going back to that original reel, right? One of the things that she had immediately started talking about was lifestyle there at the end piece. And so she's talking about diet and exercise and and just primary care around herself. And I think that's the thing that's so important here is most people aren't immunologists. They aren't going to be able to evaluate their genetic profile. And even if they did, it wouldn't really freaking matter right? You're born with what you got. So make the most of it. So what I would, I would recommend instead is everybody should thrive for a lifestyle that's more facilitating around general health, a lifestyle that looks more tribal and less like this weird world we live in, right? Be social and have positive social interactions, find tribes that drive you and motivate you and make you stronger and make you better. Even if it's via zoom, which isn't ideal, but like, this is how I got to do it with Kai and I'm okay with that. Um, work out, like strength train a few days a week, please manage respiratory care, at least a few days a week of cardiovascular care as well. Try to walk. We'll talk about this in our next podcast, but try to walk, you know, something between 7,000 and 12,000 steps a day, assuming you have capacity around that. That doesn't make sense to you. Please ask questions about that. I'm happy to answer them. Um, Live better, just live better. Fuck genetics. Kai, you want anything else there? My job. My job. No, I can't follow that. I can't. (laughs) That's it? All right. Guys, uh, thank you, as always. Uh, Noah at Root Solution. Kai at? Kai at Control the Basics. Thank you, guys. No more genetics.